Turn your Bibles to two places, uh, Psalm 47, which we'll look at first, and, uh, excuse me, Psalm 46, and Ezekiel 47, which we'll look at uh, in the middle. Maybe that uh, you're facing some big trouble. That does happen. Could be that the trouble is in your marriage or in your family. Could be that it's in your job. Could be that it's your health. Uh, could be that it's financial. Certainly, there's national trouble. If you don't understand there's national trouble, then something's wrong with you. How do we respond? How do we react? How do we handle it? Well, the psalmist here in the 46th Psalm tells us of a, a refuge and of a river. And, uh, the first verse, he speaks of a refuge, the affirmation of God as his people's refuge. In verse 1, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. God is our refuge in the face of calamities, whatever calamity you face. God is our refuge. He's a strong fortress into which a man may flee and be safe. Luther's great hymn, which we just sang, A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing, is based on this hymn, based on this verse. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Notice he's our refuge, our referring to true believers, the true Israel. In that day, a true believer was one who had truly repented, he acknowledged that he was a sinner, deserved God's punishment. Uh, but he was repentant. He was willing to surrender his will to God and seek to obey God, to seek to turn from his sin. Uh, repentance is to leave the sins we love before and show that we in earnest grieve by doing them no more, in a sense. A surrender of my will to God's will. And faith. A true believer has faith. In those days, they would approach God in the way he'd outlined. They were to bring their lamb, and through the blood of the lamb, they were promised forgiveness if they would come and trust God to forgive them through the lamb. Uh, well... Today, because we know that that lamb symbolized the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, who would come and who would die for their sins and for our sins and be raised from the dead. And so when we place our trust in him as God the Son who died for us and rose from the dead, uh, then he is our refuge. This applies to us. When we're repentant and we trust in Jesus Christ, God is our refuge. Now, uh, not just trusting Him, though, as our Savior and surrendering to Him as our Lord, but then trusting Him in those tough situations. Fleeing into Him as our refuge. Relying on Him while we seek to do His will. Say you're in a marriage and it's very painful. Uh, well, there are biblical grounds for divorce. But let's say you don't have those biblical grounds. And even if you had them, that's no reason to get out. Uh, but... You're trying to stay in it, and you're trying to do His will, and it's painful. Uh, well, trust Him. Run into Him as your refuge while you seek to obey Him. In business, maybe you face a very difficult business situation, and you're tempted to compromise. You're tempted to 
cheat, lie, steal, whatever. Uh, maybe you're a youngster and you're in, in school and the peer pressure is such that it's really tough to do God's will, to stand up for truth. But you run into your refuge. You trust Him and you obey Him and leave the results to Him. God is our refuge. And God is our strength, a very present help in trouble. He is our strength. Now, notice the resolution in the light of that. There's the affirmation, the resolution. To therefore not fear. Verse 2, therefore we will not fear. We will not fear. If God is promising to be a refuge to me, my protection, my strength, then I resolve not to fear, to face anything and to just trust Him. That's what the psalmist says. That that's, that's the proper response on our part. Notice the conditions under which this applies. Verse 2, Therefore we will not fear, though the earth give way, and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. You may feel like that's what you're going through. Well, even in that situation, I'm going to trust God. And I will not fear. He will look after me. He will be with me. Uh, and uh, so he says, Though the waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging, even in those conditions, physical, social, national, financial, whatever, uh, let the worst come. We will not fear. Luther's hymn, Though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear, for God has willed his truth to triumph through us. Uh, the prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him. His rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. One little word will fail him. Luther faced all of the powers of his day. He faced terrible things, but he was determined to trust God. There's the resolution. Notice then the relation of God to his people likened to a river. You, uh, in verse 4, it says, there is a river. In the Hebrew it says, lo, a river. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. Here's a city with a river flowing into it. A city like that can stand a siege. What's the city? What's the river? Spurgeon commenting on this, says, in this verse, Jerusalem represents the church of God and is described as a well supplied with water to set forth the fact that in seasons of trial, all sufficient grace will be given to enable us to endure. Uh, this city, uh, you're a part of the city. Where do, you, where do you live? You say, I live in Alabaster. I live in Birmingham. Uh, well, okay. But if you're a Christian, you live in Jerusalem. You've come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, uh, the heavenly Jerusalem. You've come to the company of the firstborn, an innumerable company of angels, to the spirits of just men made perfect. That's folks in heaven. Uh, you're part of that company, the heavenly Jerusalem. You're a part of that city. Uh, the true church. You're, they're the church militant. They're the church triumphant. Now, the river. It says, There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. 
Spurgeon says, what is the river? God himself is the river. As in the following verse, where it says, God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Break of day. Uh, God the Father is the river. You remember, through Jeremiah, God said to the people of Israel, You have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and you've hewed out cisterns that will hold no waters as they worship these false gods. God the Father is the river. God the Son is the river. Uh, Jesus said, uh, If any man thirsts, let him come to me. He that believeth on me, out of him shall flow rivers of living water. God the Spirit is the river. He said, This spake he of the Spirit, which had not yet been given, for he was not yet glorified. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, they are the river as they flow to the people of God. Now, uh, this river, this, these resources of God, and God as our resource, and as our joy, and as our peace, and as our strength, He flows to us when we're part of the city of God here. Now, the elaboration on this river. Hold your place here and look at Ezekiel 47. Ezekiel 47, where Ezekiel is caught up. Ezekiel was in captivity. Uh, and uh, he, uh, he, you remember, Nebuchadnezzar conquers the Jews in 606 B.C., and they go into captivity. They're there for 70 years, and Ezekiel is one of those in captivity. And uh, Jerusalem's been destroyed. The temple's been destroyed. Their situation is hopeless, but God gives them hope and encouragement. In vision, uh, Ezekiel is carried... Uh, to Jerusalem, and he sees this high mountain. He sees a rebuilt city. He sees the temple in the city, and, uh, and then uh, he sees this river flowing out of the temple. In uh, verse one of chapter forty-seven of Ezekiel, the man—that's an angel that's taken him in vision—brought me back to the entrance of the temple, and I saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple toward the east, for the temple faced east. The water was coming down under the south side of the temple, south of the altar. He then brought me through the north gate, led me around to the outside of the outer gate, facing east. And the water was flowing from the south side. Now, here's this temple and the river. The river starts at the throne of God in the temple. And then the river flows by the altar. God the Father sent his Son to be the Lamb, to die on the altar, to die on the cross. That's the source of the river of God's grace and of God's salvation, of life that's given to us. And uh, then notice how this river not just issues forth, but deepens as it goes along. Verse 3, As the man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits and led me through water that was ankle deep. He measured off another thousand cubits and led me through water that was knee deep. He measured off another thousand, led me through water that was up to the waist. He measured off another thousand, and now it was a river I could not cross because the water had risen and deep was deep enough to swim in, a river that no one could cross. Here's this deepening of the river. See a river like that? No tributary is flowing into it, but it keeps getting deeper and deeper. How can that happen? Well, remember, uh, this picture is here the spread of the gospel of Christ and eternal life through the gospel. Uh, the Spirit of God dwelling within. 
And uh, the fact that when a person receives the Spirit, they become a channel of the Spirit. And from them, the river flows to other people. Jesus said, If any man thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. Uh, And uh, he that believeth on me, out of him will flow rivers of living water. This spake he of the Spirit, which was not yet given, for he was not yet glorified. The Spirit was given. Uh, People had the Holy Spirit. But they didn't have him in the way they were going to have him. Once Jesus died and rose and ascended and prayed to the Father, and the Father sent the Spirit in a new way, a fuller way. And then the Spirit was going to flow out to others. Uh, last Sunday morning at 8 o'clock, we, at the 8 o'clock service, we baptized a, a doctor from China, Dr. Chin. And uh, uh, the river had flowed to Dr. Chin. It flowed from Dr. Chin. It flowed to Dr. Chin from Dr. Rodham in our congregation, as Dr. Rodham had the opportunity to share with Dr. Chin about Jesus Christ, God's Son, who came into this world and demonstrated that He was who He claimed to be, and then took our guilt upon himself and died for us and rose from the dead. And if we'll surrender and trust in him, we will receive eternal life. Dr. Rodham explained that, and Dr. Chen responded to that. And the rivers flowed to him, and now it's going to flow from him to others. I was at the beach project. We have 400 kids down at the, uh, down at the beach, and 400 college students, and uh, rent motels down there, and they're there in training all summer long. And uh, I went down over the weekend. A number of, they had the board down and their wives and some other guests. And, and uh, one of the young men shared uh, how the river had flowed to him. His name's Ryan. And backing up, why uh, David Dunn uh, led Brian Lewis to Christ. And both of them came on staff and. Brian Lewis led David Burns to Christ. Then we opened up a new campus up in Tennessee in Murray State. And David Burns was a campus worker. And one night, Ryan was in his dorm, and somebody set the fire alarm off. And he goes running out, and David Burns was out there and introduced himself, got to talking. I don't think David Burns, our staff member, pulled the fire alarm on purpose. but uh, And they got to talking, and they said, hey, I'd really like to get to know you. And every day, he starts coming by spending time with him, and led him to Christ. And then Ryan goes home, and he talks to his folks about Christ. And they, they went to church, and they were religious, but they didn't really know Christ. Like I was a minister, and I didn't really know Christ. And uh, they were very upset. They said, we don't even know you anymore, son. He'd come home, and they'd have books they were reading, How to Tell If Your Son's in a Cult. <laughs> and then his folks came to Christ. And then his sister came to Christ. And then his brother came to Christ. And the river flows. The river gets deeper and deeper. Every person who receives the river becomes a a new source. And the river gets deeper. And notice the quickening by the river. Wherever it flows. In uh, verse 6, it says, He led me back to the bank of the river. When I arrived there, I saw a great number of trees on each side of the river. And he said to me, The water flows towards the eastern region. Goes down into the Rabbah. It enters the sea. When it empties into the sea, the water there becomes fresh. Swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. There will be large numbers of fish because this water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. The quickening by the river. Where the river flows, everything 
will live. Charles Spurgeon, shortly before he died, wrote a hymn. All my soul was dry and dead till I learned that Jesus bled, bled and suffered in my place, bearing sin and matchless grace. Then a drop of heavenly love fell upon me from above, and by secret mystic art reached the center of my heart. Glad the story I recount, how that drop became a fount, bubbled up a living well, made my heart begin to swell. All within my soul was praise, praise increasing all my days. Praise which could not silent be, floods were struggling to be free. More and more the waters grew, opened wide, the floodgates flew. Leaping forth in streams of song, flowed my happy life along. Lo, a river, clear and sweet, laved my glad, obedient feet. Soon it rose up to my knees, and I praised and prayed with ease. Now my soul in praises swims, bathes in songs and psalms and hymns, plunges down into the deeps, all her powers in worship steeps. Hallelujah. Oh, my Lord, torrents from my soul are poured. I am carried clean away, praising, praising all the day. In an ocean of delight, praising God with all my might, self is drowned, so let it be. Only Christ remains to me. The river of God. Well, let's look back at Psalm 46 here. He's talked about the city and the river, and likened uh, the relation of God to his people as that. And then you've got the vindication of his affirmation about God being a refuge. He speaks of the evidence of it. Verse 6. Nations are in uproar, kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice, the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see the works of the Lord, the desolations he has brought on the earth. Apparently, they'd experienced some great deliverance. And he says, what I'm saying is true. Look at what happened here. The commentators on this psalm wrestle with, what was he speaking of? And many feel maybe it was in, in uh, 701 B.C. when the Assyrian army had surrounded Jerusalem. Sennacherib, the emperor of Assyria. They were going to wipe out Jerusalem as they'd wiped out many other nations. And uh, Hezekiah the king prayed to the Lord. And the Lord sent the angel out, an angel out one night. And one evening slew 185,000 of the Assyrians. And the psalmist says, come and see what God has done. Isn't it true that he's our refuge? In my affirmation, right? And uh, so here's the vindication of what he said. And then uh, uh, the fact that this is a pledge and foretaste of the fact that one day all, all opposition to God will be removed. In verse uh, 9, he makes wars to cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. One day there won't be any more pain or sorrow. God's going to bring in a whole new universe uh, wherein dwells righteousness. The invitation to trust God. Verse 10, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The psalmist says, the Lord Almighty is with us. 
the God of Jacob is our fortress. What about it? Has that river flowed to you? Has a great change taken place like Spurgeon described in his life? Uh, is it flowing from you to others? To someone that you need to reach out to? Are you trained and equipped to do that? Uh, this vision of that river in the city was given to <clears throat> encourage them. And, and the river in Ezekiel to encourage, to give them hope when they were hopeless. Well, it ought to encourage us. We've seen it all come about. We know. We know the source of that river. We know about God and about Jesus Christ, His Son, who came and was the true Lamb. If it should give them courage, how much more should it give us courage? Uh, are we ready to face anything, trusting Him, resolving not to be afraid, but to tackle it, to do His will, trusting Him to be our refuge? A mighty fortress is our God. We will not fear, for God hath willed His truth to triumph through us. Maybe you're here and uh, and you thirst. The river hadn't flowed to you, but you want it to. You're willing to surrender your will today and trust Christ today. You can do it right now. Let's bow in prayer. As our hearts are bowed, uh, where are you? Uh, are you fearful? Uh, compromising maybe on God's will? Yielding to peer pressure? Yielding to temptation? Run into the city. Drink of the river. Resolve not to fear, but to stand and to trust Him. Maybe the river has never flowed to you. But you want it to right now. Pray in your heart like this. Lord Jesus, you said if any man thirst, let him come to you. I come thirsty. Lord, cause that river to flow to me. I trust you as my Savior. And I surrender to you as my Master. I purpose to obey Amen.